Welcome to my novel, False Alarm, a free serialized audiobook read by me, the author, Heather Stallings. Music by Mark Bruce. This book contains content best suited for adults. Please visit my website, heatherstallings.com. Chapter 13 This time, Kate was dressed appropriately for her visit to Axel Staperfeen. Strappy black leather jacket with a violent silver zipper, a fitted blouse, cigarette pants like the kind her mother wore, and most important, don't fuck with me black boots. The only problem with her image was that she had both children with her. Consuelo's car wouldn't start. She was trying to hotwire it or something. And Sandy was still hung over from his going-away work party last night. Virginia and Barry were out, presumably jogging. It was 7 a.m. Kate intended to slide an envelope under Axel's door, ending their relationship, then pick up Consuelo or jumpstart her car. She would drop the envelope and get out of there, changing out of her leather jacket before going to the office. As she started to push the envelope under Axel's door, she heard chains rattling. Before she could grab the children and run, Axel stood in front of her, rubbing the back of his neck and squinting. He wore a black cotton nightshirt, his feet were bare and hairless, and his buzzed hairdo looked electrified. Come on in, Kate, he said, holding open the door as if he'd been expecting her, which was annoying. Kate thrust the envelope at his chest. He held an index finger out, perhaps daintily. She hadn't noticed the band on his ring finger. It was ornate silver or platinum with an embedded marquee emerald. Was there really a wife? Or was this a don't-fuck-with-me ring? Gus swooped in behind Kate, holding up the fire truck. Vroom, vroom. Can I see what you've got there? Axel crouched down, holding out the palm of his hand, his black nightshirt tight over his knees. Camille crawled over to him and slapped him a high five. Gus stopped, the fire truck suspended in midair. This is a good one, Axel said, spinning the wheels. Camille was trying to climb him. Before Kate knew it, they were upstairs and inside Axel's place. I've got a big airplane model, he said, rubbing Camille's back as she lay draped across his knees. Kate bristled. We need to get going. You got any movies, Gus asked? You got The Lion King? No way he's got it, Kate thought, watching Axel squirm. hundred bucks says he's never heard of it. I've got some footage of African pygmies. African pygmies? Yay! You changed your look, Axel said as he sat down on a leather chair. Do the street girls out front intimidate you? No, I just wanted to look sexier. You see yourself as the quiet, homely type? I never said I. Why was she defending herself? Out of the corner of her eye, she saw Axel curl and uncurl his bare toes. Why don't you let the kids watch the pygmies and you can lie down on my sofa, Axel said. We can talk some more. The sofa thing again. Still, though he was the most expensive shrink she'd ever heard of, he seemed to be concerned about her. If she didn't know better, she would have thought that he cared. She had a lot of questions for him, but it seemed that shrinks didn't like questions. She recalled her visit to Dr. Fuller, an awkward moment that Kate promptly filled with her how-about-those-niners chit-chat, like Cheeto's appetizers, and Dr. Fuller had not been pleased. "'Why'd you come here today?' Axel asked. "'To pay you.' "'I don't think so.' 
It's the sex problem again. Shh, she said, tossing her head toward the kids who were riveted by the pygmies. There isn't enough sex to say we have sex problems, she whispered. She was still breathing hard. He's not all that crazy about me. How do you know? We're out of here, Kate said, stepping over to Gus. You're paid off. But you haven't told me. I still feel that you want to confess. Axel's pygmies, the little sirens that they were, had transfixed Gus. When Kate tugged on his arm, he stumbled, stiff, as if he might crumble into clods of earth. Let's get some dates on the books, Axel said. How about this evening at 7? And tomorrow morning at 7.30? I must tell you, though, that my price has gone up to $165 an hour. Whatever, Kate said, steering the blurry-eyed Gus to the door. We're through. Axel called after her. Remember, I have a 24-hour cancellation policy. After that, it's going to cost you. Kate had no doubt. Outside Axel's door, Gus was coming to life. Can we come back here on Saturday, Mommy? He was starting to learn the days of the week and had no idea when Saturday was, only that it was soon. Kate, with Camille on her hip, held Gus's hand as they navigated the stairs. Why do you like him? Because he loves me, Gus said without hesitation. Then he spotted a vending machine at the bottom of the stairs. Can I get some juice? Kate thought. Why is it that children can sense when someone cares? They were like dogs in that way. When you got to be a grown-up, you were constantly checking under carpets for dirt and stealing into medicine cabinets for the ways you might be deceived. Prozac and tampons left over from someone else might cost you a relationship. Get his bank statements and health records, Kate had commanded her mother, who had known Barry just six weeks and had decided that she loved him. And her mother was a family lawyer who had seen disillusionment. But maybe hers was an obvious love, the kind children could spot. What children knew of love was someone paying the closest attention. At Sports Financial, new receptionist Heidi had cut her hair even shorter, the fringes jetting out around the headphones. For all Kate knew, she could be listening to Nine Inch Nails. The answering machine caught the calls too often, but since they turned over receptionists at such an alarming rate, Kate was letting it slide. Peter had mentioned to the receptionist before James that he liked her leather vest, and she had run crying from the office. If you heard it from Jennifer, he'd told her that her vest looked like a wetsuit. Then he'd suggested to Kate that they get a loquacious young lovely to replace her. All this Kate had documented in his personnel file. Today, something about Heidi caught Kate's eye. The top of her dress looked like a little lacy black camisole, the type that would show your bra, or lack thereof, if you unbutton your jacket. Heidi pulled off her headphones, her hair standing on end. Nice dress, Kate said. Oh, Heidi gave her a conspiring smile. Versace, she mouthed, downstairs. It was disturbing that their 21-year-old receptionist could afford to shop at Versace. The jeans there cost more than she'd paid for her first car. Kingsley would certainly not approve. Kate studied the dress. The fabric was a fine, delicate lace. My break's at 10, Heidi said. Want me to go with? Kate picked up her briefcase and fingered her lip. Shopping with the receptionist was wildly inappropriate. She needed to be fired immediately. Everyone there needed to be fired. 
Kate went to her office. On her desk was a messengered manila envelope with the return address from Guerrero Street. Pedro. She ripped the envelope open and pulled out four tickets to the 49ers game on New Year's Eve. They were fantastic tickets at the 50-yard line. She opened up the folded note written on lined paper. The lines were widely spaced, like schoolboy paper. He'd printed neatly within the lines as if trying to impress her. His pen had leaked. Dear Kate, I thought you might like to take your family to the game, or maybe Sandy would want to take your son. Don't be mad at me. Let's not be mad, please. Yours, Pedro. Kate stared at the tickets. Maybe he understood more than she'd thought, that the relationship needed to stay professional. She sank into her chair. He was so great, it made things harder. Heidi stepped into Kate's office, one long bare leg first. Kate, don't let me forget. Pedro Aragu's called to remind you to be at Skanky's at 9 tomorrow night. She tapped her clipboard with a pencil. He said to wear black and bring the contract. Kate stared at her. Did he mention the contract first or the black? Definitely the black, Heidi said, matter of fact. The woman was a lot more businesslike than Kate had given her credit for. How would she explain it to Sandy? Oh, that's right. She didn't have to. Her husband would be spending the evening with the firemen. Don't worry, Miss Kate, Heidi said. There's lots of black at Versace. The Versace saleswomen were from another time zone. They were dark and thin as tea leaves, with pouty red lips and pants like broomsticks. They stared at her like scarecrows in a cornfield and without moving their mouths, making quick biting comments that she didn't understand. That black isn't tonal with her pale skin, the one with the widow's peak said when Kate slid in her stocking feet from the dressing room over to the full-length mirror. Kate smoothed her hands along the rubbery fabric on her hips and was shocked and pleased by the way it grabbed her. Let me get the crepe, said the one with the too tight bun. She'll need the shoe then, the widow's peak said. Kate escaped into her dressing room. Heidi sat on the bench, swinging her feet. After trying on 12 dresses, Kate was no longer uncomfortable being almost naked in front of the receptionist. You look amazing in that dress, Heidi said, unzipping her. I didn't think you had such a wide range. You look like a rock star. Kate shook her hair in front of the mirror, feeling that she could be a rock star. Why had she taken the CPA exam when there had been other possibilities? Obviously, she'd been holding back. If she was going to work out seven days a week, she was going to make sure that somebody noticed her. She pulled down her work skirt off the hanger and stared at the drab charcoal suit coat with its man fabric, still swinging like a pendulum on a hanger. Which rock star? Heidi bobbed her head back and forth as if to music, her danglies swinging. Pat Benatar, a red-headed Pat Benatar, if I had to pick one. But I don't think you're limited to that. But she's older than I am, Kate said, and my hair's longer. How are we doing in there? Somebody called sweetly, thrusting another black dress through the gap in the curtain. They stared at it. Heidi shook her head. You know, Kate, I'm thinking that Pedro might like you better in some color. Take a black bag or something. Or wear black stockings. Kate thought of the red nip dress, the one that she could wear backwards. Back in her office, Kate reached for a pencil. All six number twos were sharpened to a point. 
It was the one task that Jennifer Popkins performed for her without hesitation, apparently taking some grim satisfaction in it. Heidi appeared in the doorway. It's an Axel Staper fiend calling Collect. Collect? Kate picked up the phone. She could hear traffic in the background. Do you always come with the price tag? I'm sorry, Kate, Axel said, in his voice of liquid understanding. I ran out of change. I didn't like the way our conversation ended. I can't talk now. I have to get home to nurse. I want you to think about something for me, Axel said. I want you to think about your ideal situation. What are you looking for in a relationship? What do you need? Will you just think about it? How could she not think about it once the question was presented? She, who followed up on business cards left on her windshield, we're not doing this anymore, she whispered. Just think about it, Axel said, hanging up. Jennifer was in her doorway, folding her arms. Can't break up with him, huh, she said. It's not a matter of breaking up with him, it's just that, what was she doing explaining herself? I'm married. Jennifer cocked her head and twanged her bottom lip with her pointy finger. It's a shrink, okay? Didn't take my advice about getting the kid out of your bed, did you? I need a contract drawn up for Pedro Aragu's, Kate said. I'm really backed up today, Jennifer said, turning away, her carved shoulder blades to Kate. I need it now, Kate yelled. Jennifer turned around, shocked. Kate was shocked, too, but she was not going to be a wallflower this time. She was not going to get sucked in by the vortex of her domestic life or by all the people who could pull her down. She was going to play with the big boys. I'll get right on it, Jennifer said. A bread and water weekend, Sandy said, getting ready to head out the front door. Kate felt a pang of sympathy. Was she now supposed to feel sorry for him because he was the low man on the totem pole and had to work New Year's Eve? It'll be a skeleton crew, were his last words as he exited wearing only a snug undershirt beneath his leather jacket and a duffel bag over his shoulder. Another Calvin Klein ad, Kate thought suspiciously. He was going to fit in perfectly. He'd pecked her on the mouth while she boiled SpaghettiOs for the children's dinner. Knock him dead, hun, he said. You mean knock him dead, Kate thought, her stomach weak. He smelled good, and she told him so. But cologne? To fight fires? Wasn't the stuff flammable? Weren't their house rules? She couldn't shake a feeling of uneasiness. Here she was longing to call Pedro, and she was worried about her husband cheating. But was she mainly worried about her own deceptions? Had that been the reason all along? Or was there still something left to lose? Then she thought again about the doubled standard in her office, how she seduced clients while J.P. hustled them how she used her womanly charms while a man closed the deal. She told herself that she was never going to get ahead unless she put the distracting thoughts aside. Tonight, she was going to have to look very, very good to keep Pedro's attention long enough for him to sign. Hot. That was her job now. It was her job to look hot. It had come down to this. Her husband oblivious to her, choosing not to live with her, and in fact, encouraging her to get something going with the athletes so she could get the bonus and give him free agent status. Is he yours? he had asked, his mind obviously somewhere else. 
Later that night, Kate tiptoed barefoot in her faded, rose-stenciled bathrobe to check on the sleeping children, then on her mother and Barry. The soon-to-be newlyweds were crashed in the office hide-a-bed, her mother sleeping on her back, wearing a silk eye mask and a slather of white lotion over her face, beauty treatments for her Las Vegas nuptials the next evening. Kate went into her bedroom, locking the door behind her. With the phone tucked under her chin, she called Pedro. The answering machine picked up. Hey, it's Kate. I I can't wait to see you at Skanky's tomorrow night. I'll have that contract you asked for and... And the black, she added flirtatiously. I can't wait to dance with you. I'm bringing those dice you gave me. She hung up, shaking. JP would have done it too, she told herself. Hi, it's Heather. I'm back. Thanks for listening. I think Pedro has been playing this cat and mouse game because he's been used to doing that. It's hard for the athletes to trust professionals. Overall, they're looking for someone not to take advantage of them. And my former boss, who is the inspiration for Kingsley, is very frugal. And as it turns out, the athletes appreciate that. He doesn't uh, have fancy office furniture. Trust me, we didn't. Remember the Joe Montana hand-me-down sofa? And there are some athlete parents who even appreciate it. So my boss flew across the country to meet with a mother of an athlete at a dinner, and then they had a meeting the next day. And she later said the reason she picked our firm was because my boss wore the same sweater on both occasions. Like he wasn't trying to impress her. That's what she thought, but actually I think he might have just had that one sweater a very charming man who takes good care of people. So the athletes are really just like everyone else. Thanks for all your comments this week. It sounds like some of you are taking the plunge and writing those novels. It's all in there, so just keep writing. Talk to you next week. For more information, please go to my website, heatherstallings.com. I'd love to hear from you. Please go on iTunes and give this podcast five stars. False Alarm is available cheap on the Kindle, and Amazon sells it in paperback. Please write a review on Amazon, Smashwords, or Goodreads. Thanks again, and talk to you next week. Till soon.